0: Bill Street Caravan is brought to you by the generous support of the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Memphis, home of the blues and the birthplace of rock and roll. I'm your host Pat Mitchell Whirley, and I'm Kevin Cubbins and you're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan on the show this week we have Alvin Youngblood Hart one of the most fearless artists in the music scene today Alvin's recorded output knows no boundaries no genres and his live
1: sets are renowned for their ferocity every time we have Alvin on he brings it in a big big way and the set you're about to hear is certainly no exception I like to refer to Alvin's work as the world's greatest record collection filtered through the genius of one of the greatest guitar players and distinctive vocalist on the planet. So sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to have your
0: lid blown off. And after the break today, I'll sit down with Alvin as we talk and pick his brain a little. He's such a quiet, gentle giant. <laughs> but we caught him in a
1: talkative mood, so it's gonna be fun. <laughs> also joining us today is Bill Street Caravan contributor, Eddie Hankins.
0: Eddie will be continuing his series on Chip's moment and the phenomenal output
1: of his legendary studio. The series is called American Studios, Memphis' Hit Factory. And that's all coming up right now on Beale Street Caravan. Hey, Pat.
0: Hey, Kevin. Before we get into today's program, why don't you give us a little update on our contest?
1: Okay, the contest. Go to our Facebook page. You'll see that Bill Street Caravan has partnered with Sandy Beach's Cruise for a little contest. We're giving away an Ocean View Cabin Ooh-hoo-hoo. on their on their cruise in January that's going to feature nonstop music from Delbert, Lyle Lovett, the Mavericks, Marsha Ball, Paul Thorne, and many, many more great artists. That's going to be fabulous.
0: And it's so cold these days that the idea of being on a cruise and just listening to music with a drink in my hand and a straw in my mouth, and I'm ready to go. It sounds
1: fabulous, (laughs) I know. So here's how you enter. Go to our Facebook page and find the post where we've uploaded that week's program. There's going to be a SoundCloud audio player, a picture of the artist, and if you click it, it starts playing the program. You can listen in. Click like. And that will enter you one time into the drawing. And if you click share and share the post on your own Facebook page, we'll enter you again. So what I'm saying is you can enter your name twice each week just by doing those two things. Then on the program that we'll be airing during the first week of December, we're going to draw a name out of the hat.
0: It sounds really easy. It's painless. And you get to hear a lot of great music along the way. And if you win, you get to hear even more great music. I know. I mean, it's a win-win situation. It's
1: huge. (laughs) So, on to today's program. No stranger to Bill Street Caravan, Alvin Hart is more than a regular on our program or a friend of ours. He's a rare breed of artist that continues to inspire Pat myself and his legion of followers with his passion and knowledge for all things
0: music. And how he's always in motion. Not necessarily reinventing himself, because he's not. He's Alvin. Always Alvin. But he turns the music upside down on you. He amazes you because he always comes up with songs and sounds that you don't expect.
1: So the essence is, you learn to expect the unexpected. And that's where the good stuff lives
0: right? Exactly. So let's back up and kind of give a quick overview for folks. Alvin took the blues world by storm in 1996 with the album Big Mama's Door. I remember it very vividly.
1: It's a stripped down acoustic record of tunes in no small part inspired by Alvin's childhood summers spent on his grandparents' farm in Mississippi. So that record not only introduced Alvin to the music world, but it instantly established him as the unrivaled master of country blues.
0: And that's true to this day. In fact, when his first record came out, everybody put Alvin on their shoulders as he was going to continue the blues. He was the future. And they thought that he was going to be making all these great acoustic blues music albums for
1: years to come. That's where expectations set in. And like we've inferred, Alvin doesn't pay much attention to other people's <laughs> expectations.
0: So no, he, he laughs at it. He followed up Big Mama's Door with Territory, and from that record on, acute listeners became aware that they were dealing with an artist with a deeper reservoir of talent and influences than
1: they may have originally given him credit for. Along his musical journey, we've discovered that he's a master of deep cuts. He constantly brings amazing artists and songs to light. He's not only the king of acoustic country blues, but on the album Down in the Alley, retreated to one of the best recordings of Memphis style string band music made in over half a century.
0: Listeners learn on that record that Alvin was a master of the banjo and mandolin, both of which were early blues instruments before they became ubiquitous in and identified with white folk music.
1: Following up the album Territory, we have 2000 start with the Soul, produced by Jim Dickinson.
0: Now, that record really blew some minds. It's Alvin going full-on electric in this power trio setting, but this was not your father's cream or Jimi Hendrix experience. This record is a tour de force through the American music experience. Country tunes, fuzzed out, Les Pauls, twangy telecasters, one of the most epic and eclectic musical experiments to come out of the modern blues world.
1: It's such a good record.
0: It really is. Alvin is like our generation's Clarence Gatemouth Brown. Not stylistically, but much like Gate, who would give you the stink eye if you said he was a blues artist, if Mm -hmm. you would say, I mean, if you just put him in any kind of category, he got upset. And Alvin doesn't get upset, but he sort of lets his music do the talking.
1: Yeah. His last full-length record was 2005's Motivational Speaker. And it's the total distillation of everything that came before, all those influences and ideas channeled into this, this one freight train of a record. He's just recently returned with a 45. Yes, a real rock and roll 45. (laughs) <laughs> available from Big Legal Mess Records. The A-side is Hell of a Way to Make a Living, and the B-side is Watching Brian Jones, both old-school, straight-up rock and roll songs that fans would be familiar with from his live sets.
0: And again, I'll be sitting down with Alvin here after the break, but it's time to let the man
1: play. <laughs> Here's Alvin Youngblood-Heart, live on Bill Street Caravan.
2: all right, how's everybody? Nice to see you. Nice to be back. I was uh, I was telling people a while ago, about 25 years ago, I was working right up here in mainstream shipyard of Lake Ferguson. Anyway, we're going to start things off, keep, keep it going. Uh, Do a little thing for the home folks up the hill in Carroll County. A little tune about going home to grandma, here we go.
3: What you gonna do when you're fat? Find-
2: a kind friend and the rest of you. Let's attend by the late great Doug song. Goes like this. One, two, three. <laughs>
3: Wonder where I'm bound. Too many days, too many faces, DREAMING and funny vibrations. Sure didn't mess up my mind. Thought I'd stroll on up to Hayashibury. Well, there's a whole lot of things I wanted to see. My little girls in stained ocean. Doctor give me funny potion So didn't mess up my mind
0: Folks, just tuning in, you're listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Beale Street Caravan. Today's program is made possible by support from Bridging the Blues. Find out more info about the music and culture of Memphis and the Delta region at bridgingtheblues.com. Here's more from Alvin Youngblood-Hart.
2: For uh, all those years of enjoyment. This is called Motivational Speaker here with (laughs) us.
3: Fun. Don't want to live in no okay. Baby Set my pony, got a hole in the game.
1: That was Alvin Youngblood-Heart live on Beale Street Caravan. Pat's going to be sitting down and catching up with Alvin here in a moment. But first, we're going to turn it over to Beale Street Caravan contributor Eddie Hankins.
0: Eddie is continuing his series, American Studios' Memphis's Hit Factory. It's brought to you by WEVL-FM 89.9, Memphis's volunteer and member-supported
1: radio station. The American Studios' series covers a remarkable period in music history where producer Chip's Moman cranked out hit after hit after hit All from the little studio, just a mile or two from where we're sitting, Pat. Eddie is a veteran DJ at W He's been doing his show down in the alley for over 20 years. And over that time, he's become quite the expert on American Studios. He and others at the station, including Weevil's program director, Brian Craig,
0: felt like the story of Chips and the studio needed some dusting off. People needed some reminding. So they played a huge part in bringing the history to light again including having
1: a historical marker placed on the site where the studio once stood. You can stream the station online
4: at wevl.org. Here's Eddie. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Kevin. Prior to opening American Recording Studios, and even after the studio was up and running, producer Chip's Moman continued to play guitar on sessions himself in Memphis, Nashville, New York, and Muscle Shoals. In addition, he had played countless Memphis-area club dates over the years with various bands. While doing all this, he got to see the full spectrum of musical talent the city had to offer. Once his studio was open and beginning to have some success, he knew he needed to have a versatile house band if there was any hope of maintaining that success. It was with that in mind that Moman began to handpick the players that came to make up the 827 Thomas Street Band. One of the first musicians to cast their lot with Moman was guitarist Reggie Young, who up until that time had been a session musician for High Records, recording with the Bill Black combo on their big hit, Smokey Part 1, as well as cutting tracks backing up future high records main man, Willie Mitchell, on early tracks such as 2075. Another player who had spent considerable time at High was guitarist, soon to turn American Studios bass man, Tommy Cogbill, who had played with Ace Cannon, among others, as well as Sam the Sham after moving on from High. Organ player Bobby Emmons, who High had attempted to groom as a solo artist, came on board at American as well. Jerry Emmons' solo recordings also featured bass work from Mike Leach, who later came to American as backup bass player and also served as the studio's arranger for Strings & Horns, as he was the only musician on staff who could write music notation. Drummer Gene Chrisman, who had been touring with Jerry Lee Lewis, also decided around this time to team up with Moment & Company. As Jerry Lee had been recently mired in the scandal over the marriage to his cousin that derailed his career for a time, Chrisman needed something more stable. Sessions at Sun and club dates with various groups helped a bit, but he soon saw that work at American Studios was going to be much more regular and lucrative than either of those. The final member of the 827 Thomas Street Band to join was pianist Bobby Wood, who had played on several sessions at American already, as Moman had attempted to lure him into coming on full-time there had enjoyed a promising solo career that even included a minor national hit, I'm a Fool for Loving You, in 1964, on the Joy record label.
5: If I'm a fool for loving you, that's just what I want to be. They're saying I am just your plan.
4: His shot at solo stardom ended, however, following a horrific car crash while on tour in 1965 in which Wood lost his left eye. Following a lengthy recuperation, he quickly realized that his best bet for a continuing career in music lay in session work. For a while, he divided his time between working at American with Chips Moman, working at other Memphis studios with former Sun Records songwriter and musician Stan Kessler, author of Elvis Presley's early Sun Records classic You're Right, I'm Left, She's Gone, and performing occasional local club dates with his group The Starlighters. But like others before him, Wood quickly realized the unique opportunity to record hits in multiple genres of music that working with Chip's moment offered. The 827 Thomas Street Band are highlighted and each given a brief turn in the spotlight on King Curtis's 1967 R&B Top 10 and pop Top 40 hit Memphis Soul Stew which was inspired by Curtis and the band hanging out at the Ranch House restaurant located next door to American Studios.
3: Today's special is Memphis Soul Stew. We sell so much of this, people wonder what we put in it. We're gonna tell you right now. Give me about a half a teacup of base. Now, I need a pound of fat back drums. Now, give me four tablespoons of ballin' Memphis guitars. This gonna taste all right. Now, just a little pinch of organ. a of horn. Place on the and bring to a boil.
4: The studio band is also featured prominently on the Grammy-nominated jazz album Memphis Underground by flautist Herbie Mann. Best known for his recordings of Brazilian-style bossa nova, Mann also had a serious R&B Jones which he was able to satisfy at American. The album made it to number one on the jazz charts in May of 1969, where it stayed for months and was nominated for Grammy Awards for Best Instrumental Theme and Best Instrumental Jazz Performance by a soloist with a small group. Bill Street Caravan. I'm Eddie Hankins.
0: Thanks, Eddie. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but when we come back, we'll have Alvin Youngblood Hart back with us. You're listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Street Caravan is supported in part by awards from the Tennessee Arts
1: Commission and Arts Memphis. We're back, and we're about to hear more music from Alvin Youngblood-Hart. But first, packets to sit down and talk music and life with him, so we're going to listen in.
0: Hello, Alvin.
2: Hello, hello. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well.
0: So what have you been doing in the last couple of years? What have we missed?
2: Uh, probably probably not much, but, you know, just... Uh, just staying busy, there's always, uh, seems to be always a lot of calls for collaborations and things like that and trying to find time for collaborations, you know, and um, Corey Harris called me for a thing he uh, he came up with called True Blues. For the, we, we did a DVD actually uh, that hasn't come out yet, but the DVD was Tosh Mahal, Corey, Guy Davis, Phil Wiggins, Shamika Copeland and myself all performing you know performing solo and performing together and in the meantime corey guy and myself have been taking that on the road a little bit here and there every every couple of months going out on the road you know and i've been doing other things uh we have the south memphis string band uh luther dickinson jimbo mathis and myself it's really a comic show as well you know but <laughs> it's, um, we we have a pretty good time with that, we, we still get together and do the odd shows here and there and just traveling around, uh, either uh, performing with my own band or solo.
0: Out of curiosity, what did you imagine yourself being when you were a kid?
2: Uh, I mean, you know, I was I always wanted to be a guitar player, you know, all the, all the stuff, you know, you think about when you're kids, some guitar player, some kind of international adventurer, you know, like like the guys on Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, you know. Some,
0: <laughs> what a great show.
2: Kind of, you know, um, I was really into um, sports. I, I played baseball and football when I was a youngster. It just, uh, and, and I, I still would have kept on it, except that uh, when I got about 14 or 15, uh, the guitar kind of entered the picture and just refused to leave, so.
0: Some artists don't really talk about their influences you not only talk about them, you also get out there and sort of try to make sure that people know where this came from, where this, you know, and educate them yeah, along yeah. the way. Is that sort of a calling or is that just, it's just important to you?
2: Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's a calling, you know, just, um, it was how, how the things came to me, like uh, say like with my, one of my grandmothers was a musician, you know, and she was the one who actually turned me on to Taj Mahal more or less when I was around five, six years old, you know. She was she was listening to a Taj Mahal record and I was like, Wait a minute, what is that? you know, and she said it's Taj Mahal, you know. So that and I had I had two older brothers who, you know, they showed all the stuff to me. So I, I think it kinda just came from that, like, you know. So I I'll tell the people, you know, where where I got this or that from, you know
0: because you play so many different things, does that keep you sort of energized? Because you can do so many different things. You've got choices when you get up on stage. Does this sort of keep your brain going to have it does. options?
2: <laughs> it does, it does, and it's like, a, it's sort of a, almost a game with the audience. Are they gonna get it? Are they gonna like it? Sometimes they don't, sometimes people have been so conditioned to like one thing or something you know and you'll be in you'll be playing in a venue that's maybe blues specific and if you play a country tune or something they'll have a fit oh my goodness you know that that's not the blues oh you know it's good it's good music ain't it yeah, that,
0: that, that always sort of blows me away when people say, oh, well, that's just not my idea, the blues, or that's not my idea, rock and roll, or whatever. But if it's good, yeah. it's just like you're missing the whole point of music and creativity and spontaneity and, and all of that that comes together. So you're still doing the festival circuit. you know? Do you oh, have yeah. a, a new project that you're working on outside of the Corey Davis deal?
2: Uh, well, I have a, I have a uh, single, I guess so 45 coming out in uh, november so pretty happy about that and i think that's gonna kind of evolve maybe into a uh, a full length lp and i think we're like taking the vinyl back bringing the vinyl back
0: so you're gonna do it as an actual 45.
2: oh yeah it's done
0: really yeah so okay there's a collector's item for everybody out yeah, there yeah. <laughs> I guess it's an option now so many people have record players yeah
2: it's it's funny i think you know uh, people are looking at the fact that people are not i don't know i don't pay too much attention but like maybe not buying cds so much if they buy music in a digital format they just download it you know or, yeah or download it for free you know so um but you know people are now you know in the younger generation they're, it's uh, a, a renewed interest in the vinyl products, you know, which is funny because I never threw away. It's fun, I got a lot of records that people just threw away when the when the uh, CD revolution happened, and
0: you were like, "Oh, that's old news. We're never gonna listen to this. Yeah,
2: again. you know, and I I had every every LP I bought since 1970, pretty much, you know. So.
0: Well, what it, it being the um, musician that really cares about the craft itself, I, I'm curious, how do you get your fans to go to something that, hey, this is really what I expected it to sound like?
2: Well, I, I think, um, you know, people are, maybe they're just getting a little tired of the, the digital format, and uh, I mean, a lot of people did as I did and kept their, uh, kept their vinyl reproduction you know, uh, equipment, and um, they heard, they've heard the difference, and say, "Wait a minute, we need to go back, go back to this." It's it's pretty funny, like going into a place like I don't want to I me mean, free advertising, but you know, a place like Best Buy or something, and seeing a seeing a, a bin of of uh, vinyl LPs in there, I'm like, "Whoa, what's going on?" You know? Yeah. So, um, I mean. I think the other thing is just it's so wide open, you know, that it appears that the whole CD format has now just turned into such a big failure that people are kind of open to anything.
0: They're going back to the quality per yeah. se, then uh. the this is what you're fed sort of thing. For me, as an African-American woman, as an African-American um who is grown up in a tradition of, you know, music. My grandmother exposed me to the blues and told me stories. My mother grew up in the era of stacks and soul music. And it's a really interesting today when I go to a lot of blues concerts or um, clubs or what have you, the audience and most of the people that you see on stage are not African-Americans, knowing that's where the music came from. And so I'd really, I'd love to hear your your take because at this point you're older now, you've seen some things, you know, in in, 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 in blues. And what has been the most exciting thing for you being an African-American that plays blues music of the new generation of musicians that you've seen coming up?
2: Well, um a few years ago I did a little tour, right? It was a tour of uh Mississippi high schools, you know. And um, it was with the uh Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz from UCLA Music Program. Assemble this uh this group of uh various musicians from around the country. It, it was kind of a jazz um heavy thing. But they asked me to go along too, and um, which you know, I was really um, honored to to go along with that. But the funny thing and inspiring thing was that almost every school that we went to there would be that one kid who like couldn't wait to show us what he or she could do. (laughs) I remember this one kid in particular was in Oxford of all places. And he played the drums. He played piano, guitar. I think he played the sax and harmonica. And this kid was so glad we were there. One, and two, he was he was just so enthusiastic and and just more than eager to show us what he could do. And I just thought thought about when I was that age, you know, and how uh, how inspired about you know I was about about playing. It's a weird thing, you know, like. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like, um, in f- thirty, forty years, hip hop's gonna be like this obscure folk music that. Uh, yeah. You know, there'll <laughs> be, be something like, new. There'll be, there'll be the academics at the hip hop society. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm just waiting for the day when hip hop is this obscure folk music, you know. That's gonna be. See, so really yeah, I interesting. mean, the, the interesting thing about like. But black people's music has always like been in evolution. Uh it just kinda goes from you know, goes on from one thing to a to the other and there was the big blues heyday back in the fifties and and all that when that was a thing and it kinda went out in the sixties and you know, all the all the other the Otis and all those people came along, you know, and Stax and so, you know Evolution. Yeah.
0: It's um it, it's funny how there are already classes dissecting Tupac. There are already classes dissecting, you yeah, know. Yeah,
2: which is which is crazy. I mean like if Tupac only knew, you know what yeah. I mean like
0: Well, I, in fact, I was just watching a documentary and they were talking about how when they go into schools and prisons and they do, you know, use mu- music as poetry that the things that resonate the most is like Tupac, Bob Dylan are the two that like get people's attention. And I thought that was really interesting because you, who would put Tupac and Bob Dylan in the same sentence? <laughs> and so it's quite, we, I guess we never know what's gonna happen. We can just sit back and watch. No. And so for you, you're going to do your do the 45, you're going to do the LP and you'll tour behind it but for those who want to get a copy of it they can just go to your website and actually get some vinyl in their little hands well
2: it's 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 going to be um um put out by a big legal mess oh, okay so they they'll be putting it up on their site for sure yeah so the and, the the and fat
0: possum guys fat
2: possum affiliates yeah
0: so that's nice yeah so you still you I mean you don't even live in Memphis and you're still you can't get away from us (laughs) well Alvin thank you for coming in here and talking to us you
2: bet thank you
0: okay
1: (laughs) let's go see some more music all right that was a great day there at the uh Mighty Mississippi Music Festival sun was shining breeze coming off the river
0: It was pretty awesome. Part of the Bridging the Blues experience. If you're passionate about music like we are, check out their website. It's a music tourism initiative where, for two solid weeks, there are festivals, events, special programming happening throughout Memphis and the Delta region that are tailored to lovers of American music. See the places where the pioneering bluesmen played, the streets they walked, soak in the sounds, culture, and food of this part of the country. And while you think about that,
1: Here's more from Alvin Youngblood-Heart, live on Beale Street Caravan.
2: All right, it's a whole book of white town, about the to joint.
3: Block number nine, couldn't have none but them old. Corn made wine, second hollow, yeah. for I can change
2: As I look around the room, I can tell some been in some trouble. All right, all right, this is a, this is a tune I wrote one night. I, was, uh, I had a tore up leg, tore up knee, and I uh, was sitting at home watching TV. And this movie came on called Stoned, about uh, the last days of uh, the, the late Brian Jones. And so uh, while I'm watching that movie, I just, just happened to write this song called I'm Watching Brian Jones. (laughs)
3: You. <laughs> Try to be alone
0: Folks just tuning in, you're listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Beale Street Caravan. Today's program is made possible by support from Bridging the Blues. Find out more info about the music and culture of Memphis and the Delta region at bridgingtheblues.com. Here's more from Alvin Youngblood-Hart.
3: Hey, hey. I'm like a bird on a telephone, why baby? Sit on my perch and watch the world transpire, baby. No hidden and no need to conspire, baby. I'm like a slime on a take of you high, baby. Yeah, yeah. I see all, and I want to see your twisted like a- Over me every waking hour, baby. (sighs) But I saw a serpent on the sacred tower, baby. It takes off the heat like a cool rain shower, baby.
0: That was Alvin Youngblood Heart live on Bill Street Caravan. For tour dates and more about Alvin, visit his website, mojomusic.com.
1: We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You're not going to find programming like this anywhere else. You can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check in with us there. We've always got great updates and special features related to our programming. And don't forget, we've got a great little contest going on on our Facebook page where you can win an Ocean View cabin aboard Delbert McClinton's Sandy Beaches Cruise. Go check out our Facebook page for more info about that.
0: Next week on Bill Street Caravan, we'll have one of the hottest soul acts in the country with us St. Paul and the Broken Bones. And Bill Street Caravan contributor Eddie Hankins will continue his series on American Studios. Until then, I'm Pat Mitchell Worley. And
5: I'm Kevin Cubbins.
0: And you've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan.